So we're in Matthew chapter 8. That was our text on Sunday as we're looking at kingdom living and we're looking at the difference between the kingdom of the world and Jesus' kingdom that we get to be a part of. So the theme on Sunday, the theme on Sunday was insiders versus outsiders. So if you remember, well, let's just read the passage to, to get the context and then we'll, we'll look at the background again. So Matthew 8, let's just read verses 1 through 13. So Jesus just finished the Sermon on the Mount, and when he comes down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way and show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. I love the part in the story. That, I'm not going to really talk about this tonight. We mentioned it on Sunday. I love the part in the story that Jesus touched the leper, which would have made him technically unclean, except there is nothing that can make Jesus unclean because he touched him and cleansed him. It's a really cool part of the story that's not even mentioned, but to touch a leper, uh, but Jesus obviously heals him. It's, I just lo love that part of it. Um, but that's not the focus tonight. We, we could do a whole message on that. Verse 5 now. So that is over. That first miracle is over. Second miracle. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. So we see a leper, then a centurion. The centurion is concerned about his servant. And he says, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy. He was paralyzed, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Remember what we mentioned on Sunday. These are the first two miracles of Jesus that Matthew records. Now, were they the first miracles that Jesus performed? They were not. The first miracle was actually a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Um, and then I think there were two more miracles. I forget which ones they were. But this healing of the leper is actually the fourth miracle, chronologically, that Jesus performs. Matthew doesn't begin there. 
And as a Bible study note, we reminded ourselves that the different Gospels are given to us. Each Gospel is given to us to show us a different um, focus of who Jesus is. Did you still have handouts with you? Perfect. Um, of who Jesus is. So remember, Matthew's theme so far, and it's going to continue, has been all about the kingdom. Now, who considered themselves to be the insiders? They automatically belonged to the kingdom. In, in fact, here, Jesus refers to them as the, as the what? What does he call them in the last couple of verses we read? What's that? He calls them the children of the kingdom. These are the Jews, particularly the religious Jews and the religious leaders, like the Pharisees. They assumed that they would have first place in the kingdom, but... The children of the kingdom, Jesus said, will actually be cast into outer darkness. Now, not all of them. This is, if you go back, back me up one verse, Steve, if you would, he gives us this contrast. Many are going to come from the east and the west. These are Gentiles. There's going to be many Gentiles that come into the kingdom. They're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the children of the kingdom, verse 12, the children of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. So the ones who consider themselves to be insiders, they end up where? On the outside. And the ones that they thought really belonged on the outside are going to come into the kingdom. So I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think it's a coincidence that given what is summarized in verse 11 and 12, that the first two miracles that are recorded are a leper and a centurion. A leper and a centurion. So if you flip over, we'll, I've got really just three discussion points tonight, and then we'll have time for prayer. So just three discussion points this evening. Okay? So think about this. Both the leper and the centurion were outsiders in Israel. Now, Let's, this is kind of the obvious, but let's, before we get to this, I guess I just added a half a discussion question. So really quick, why are we considering a leper and a, a centurion outsiders? Let's start with the leper. Let's start with the leper. Give me some reasons why we would see him as an outsider. Good, good and loud so they can hear you in the back. Leprosy was contagious. Leprosy was contagious. So you wouldn't get near people. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was yeah, that's, that's important. So what, is that, what, do, what does that mean he's unclean? Correct. Right. What else did the uncleanness mean for the leper? He couldn't participate in the worship of the day. Lepers were not allowed to worship. It was, it was one, of the, one of the aspects of the Old Testament law was if you had physical um, problems, they could make you unclean where you could not participate in the national worship. There's different reasons for that we're not going to get into, but so not only is he socially an outsider that nobody would want, but religiously, he's also an outsider. Anything else on the leper? Before we move on to the centurion. Okay, how about the centurion? What makes a centurion an, an, out, an outsider? And what, what, he's Roman. He's Roman. He's Roman. He's a 
He's an oppressor. Now, he was a nice oppressor. We know a little bit about him, comparatively. You know, if you had to have a Roman soldier, you know, this was the one you, you want. But it's kind of like, regardless, it's kind of like what we think back to the awful days of slavery in America. Some people are like, well, there were kind masters. Yeah, they were kind owners of other human beings that told them everything they had. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like that's not a, we're not starting from a good place here. The centurion, he's a nice guy apparently, but he's, his job is to control these people. So you talk about an outsider. Um, yeah, anything else on the centurion, what makes him an outsider? He's Roman. He's, he's an oppressor. I mean, that kind of covers it, but can we think of any other, any other thoughts on how he would have been viewed? Okay, yep. Not quite as scary, I don't think, because there were some laws as to what he could and couldn't do. I don't know, though. That's a good, that's a good point. So, were you saying that or no? I was just going to say the New Testament, there's seven, seven centurions in the New Testament that are mentioned, and none of them are mentioned in a bad light. They're all mentioned in a good light. So there, there were men, at least those seven, I, I'm sure that there were centurions that were terrible. Yeah. They, they, these guys, so they're leaders of a hundred men, they have leadership qualities. Uh, some of the instances in the Bible, the Jews, thought highly of some of the centurions. Yeah, there was one that uh, the people actually said, they, they said, hey, help this guy out because he's done good things for us. So that is true. So they're not necessarily always a hated person. However, in the religious view of the day, Centurions don't belong in the kingdom of God. Like they're not a part of it. So the first miracles recorded in Matthew are not to Jew. Well, there's to a leper and to a centurion who's not even a Jew. So we're demonstrating that. They, and then there's this statement that, hey, this kingdom of heaven is going to be made up of people from the east and from the west. And there are people that think they belong, that they're going to be in outer darkness. So the insiders become outsiders. The outsiders become insiders. Now, but, now let's talk about this. But in what ways do each of these men demonstrate that they actually have a heart for the kingdom? In what ways are the leper and the centurion demonstrating that they actually have the heart of the kingdom as opposed to the, these insiders, like the Pharisees and hypocrites? Look first at the leper. Go ahead and look at the passage, what is said about him. In what ways do, does he demonstrate that he gets it? He gets it. God has done a work in his heart, a work of grace. He's responded, and he belongs in the kingdom. Jesus says, my kingdom is made up of people like this leper. What does he demonstrate? What's one of the first things you see about the leper? Yep. Faith. faith. He has faith. Absolutely. So one thing I want us to understand. There is a... There's a misconception that Jesus welcomes the outsiders just because they're outsiders, right? Like there's this almost like class view, like, well, I, you know, that people who are uh, on the outside, so to speak, of society, 
you know, they have the special status. You can almost take this to the wrong. But no, these people are accepted regardless of their social status, but they are outsiders, but it's because they've responded to the work of God in their heart, right? There's no virtue in being an outsider. It's just a, it's just a, you're just a victim of the circumstances. However, even an outsider can be, receive the grace of Jesus. So yes, so first off, the leper demonstrates that he has faith. What else do you see about the leper? In what way? Yeah, he worships. He bows down in humility to him. What are you going to say? Yeah, the word worship literally means it's a physical act. And it's, it doesn't mean to sing. It actually means to bow or kneel. That's the literal translation of it. Um, he, doesn't feel, he doesn't come across as entitled to the healing. He doesn't say, you should make me clean. He says, if it's your will, you can make me clean. It's a humble faith and worship. Anything else on the leper? Does anybody know what the gift that Moses, he said, offer the gift that Moses commanded. But he heals it. That's a good uh, quiz. Good trivia. What was the, what was the gift? What was the gift? I didn't look it up either. So the gift is uh, to offer the gift of sacrifice commanded by Moses. That sacrifice included two live clean birds right. and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And I think they poured the water over it, to, to, if I remember the ceremony. Anything else about the, the, um, the leper that demonstrates the heart of a person in his kingdom? How is he now contrast him to the people who were the quote-unquote children of the kingdom? What are the quote-unquote children of the kingdom doing while the, while the, what are the children of the kingdom doing while the leper is worshiping in humility and faith? What are the children of the kingdom doing? Analyzing Jesus. Analyzing Would you say? Judging. judging. They're doing a lot of judging. And you'll see that all throughout Jesus' ministry. Analyzing. Judging. What's that? Wouldn't it have been kind of a bold move for him to approach Jesus in the first place? Oh, yeah. The leper? Yeah. For sure. I'm sure everybody's just like, get away. What is this guy doing? I'm sure there's judging happening at that very moment. Um, they would be expecting things. They were. They would, they would follow him looking for a miracle, looking for a feeding. It's interesting here, it says that the multitude followed, and it's the leper who worships. The multitude follows, the leper worships. And you do see, we don't have it in Matthew, but, or in this passage, but in another passage, they were. They were looking for a show. They're going to figure it out. How did this happen? Yeah. I think probably obedience is what I see. You know, like he, he was told not to go and 
Right. And in some cases, people didn't obey after the healing. Jesus said not to tell anybody, and they went and told people. I'd have to double, I have to double check the cross. I have to double check Luke and maybe Mark to see if they record this guy actually keeping it. Because there is another account of a leper not do obeying. I don't know if, this, if that's this guy or not. It doesn't record it here. But it, you're, you might be right about that. Yeah, so there's, there's the leper, the ultimate outsider but d demonstrating a heart for the kingdom while the insiders miss the point. They just miss it. I'm ready. There's only, there's only two other people recorded in the Bible up to this point that have ever been healed of leprosy. Naaman the Syrian and Miriam. Yes. Miriam, the sister of Moses. So it's a huge deal. That's a good point. This is a good point that it's, this has not happened. This is, yeah. Very cool. All right. Let's move on to the centurion. How does the centurion demonstrate? How does the centurion demonstrate that he has a true heart for the kingdom as opposed to the others? Okay. He's coming on behalf of another. I like that. Mike? Oh, I was going to say that he, he uses his own understanding of what being a man under authority means. Right, so what's happening there? So, faith, but also, like, submission. Yeah, like the centurion. I made this point on Sunday, which just knocks me over. When would a centurion ever take orders from a Jewish man? Right? Like, when does this happen? Where the centurion says, no, I am not. He lowers himself below. Because to us, we think, we're like Jesus, and we should be. But what did Isaiah say? When you see him, there's nothing impressive about his physical appearance. You know, he wasn't, he didn't look different than any other Jewish man of the day. And so just imagine the, 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 the social reversal with a centurion in all of his armor saying, no, no, Jesus, you have all authority. You're the man of authority. I have some limited authority, but you do. Amazing humility. Contrast that to the Pharisees. Right? The Pharisees who are, who are, who are always, how dare you, Jesus? You don't have authority to do this. The centurion gets the lordship of Christ. He gets it that Jesus is Lord. And that's a thing even today. People, they want Jesus, but they almost want Jesus as their servant. But the, 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 the centurion says, oh, but Jesus is my Lord. Jim, what were you going to say? Didn't question it. Yeah, he didn't say, I have a better idea. Um, and he just believed whatever Jesus said. Jesus said, okay, I did it. And the centurion goes home. <laughs> he just believes it. Faith. So you see faith in both of them. Tremendous faith. Yes? The centurion servant was, was uh, probably a Jew. I don't think he would have a, a Roman servant there. He may have. He might have. 
like he, he may have, because they would have been men of status in Rome, and they sometimes may have traveled with an entourage. So, yeah. He felt unworthy. Yeah, he considered himself unworthy. Anybody else? Anything about the centurion? Now, so again, contrast that to the people of the day who feel ultimately worthy, ultimately deserving of all these things. Yeah? It reminds me of the, um, the two people praying where one man is beating his chest in the prayer, so he's like, well, at least I'm not doing this. Kind yeah. Yeah. So let's do this now. The next discussion question. Let's bring it to our time, in our situation, our lives. In what ways can Christians sometimes forget that we were the outsiders brought in and we start to act more like children of the kingdom as opposed to outsiders that are saved by grace? Yeah. Technically, you can't get too holy, but you can view yourself as too holy. Right, in your own mind. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. I, I know what you meant. I'm just being, being technical. Yeah, but that's so true. We start to think that we are better than other people because we've... What happens is by God's grace, he does begin to change us and work in our hearts. But then we, people, sometimes Christians, they view themselves as better than other people around them. Definitely happens. Yep. Um, judging their actions. Yep. Even we talked about that a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, even like other Christians, like, oh, yeah, you did talk about this, right? Like, different sins and things. Right. Now, I wanted to say these two things need to be present in a Christian's life at all times. What two things? On the one hand, on the one hand, with all of our effort and zeal, we pursue holiness. Are we commanded to do that? A hundred percent. On one hand, personally, each of us is accountable to God and we have the witness of the Holy Spirit. We should be, we should be as Peter said, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We should be saying, Lord, make me more holy, make me more holy. But at the same time, we should be so merciful and gracious even with those who aren't pursuing that holiness. Both those things can be true at the same time. Because if you're pursuing holiness, but looking down at someone else, you've missed it. You're not as holy as you think you are. You're, 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 you've become a Pharisee. And we all, that's a danger. Both things need to be pursued with equal zeal. It's not one or the other. It's both. Right? So, okay, in what other ways can Christians start to behave like the insiders? Yeah, gossip can get into a church. People get, they get in other people's business in an unhealthy way. And it has to do with that judgmentalism. But yeah, that, that can happen. In what other ways? We forget. Can we be, behave like, we are the insiders. A lot of the insiders, 
Pharisees, they were hypocrites. Hip hypocritical living, yeah. They, 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 what I said at first, they heaped all kinds of rules and regulations, and they didn't keep them themselves. And, can, can I give that? Yeah, for sure. The, the hypocrisy. Can I give you one more? Thank you. I was going to do it anyway. But you nodded, so I'm going to go for it. How, let me ask you this question. Think of the insiders of the day and age in the Bible here. How interested were the insiders in receiving outsiders? On a scale of 1 to 10, negative 52, right? How, how interested were they in welcoming outsiders? Do you know what, and, and I've not seen that from this group here, but do you know what I've experienced as I've seen sometimes when churches begin to be more outward focused and bringing people in, do you know what happens sometimes to people that have been there a long time? They don't like it. It's, it feels different. I've heard of churches, this has never happened here, ever, but I've heard of churches that started like a bus ministry. And all of a sudden, all of a, sudden a whole bunch of loud, rude, untrained children start walking on the pews and pulling the papers out of the racks and making a mess. And people are like, oh, I don't know if we like this around here. Now, I've never seen that happen here, ever. And I'm thankful for that. But it can happen where, like, if a church... If a church is, is, says, hey, we are going to reach outsiders, things are going to look different. There's going to be changes around. And so we have to remember that the mission of Christ is to seek and to save those who are what? Those who are lost. The job of the church isn't to entertain the sheep. It's to reach the lost. And to keep, keep that, the Pharisees would get, they would get all upset about, you know, if, if Jesus' disciples washed their hands enough, or if they, if they followed this. And Jesus said, you guys are great, right? You pay the tithe on your household spices and herbs, right? You pay the tithe on your parsley and your cumin, and I've just lost my culinary uh, skills there. But you pay the tithe on all those things. But you've forgotten the most important parts of the law. Okay, so let's go to the last point, the last discussion question. Give me some examples. Give me some examples of other outsiders that you see all throughout the New Testament. So kind of test your Bible knowledge a little bit, but go to the gospel and think of all of the people who were outsiders that were welcomed in. Ready, set, go. Zacchaeus, the wee little man, the tax collector. Who else? How about the guy who wrote this book? Matthew. Matthew, the, what was his occupation? Another tax collector. Who else was welcomed in? Paul. Sure. Who else was welcomed in, an outsider that came on the inside? Yeah, the, the, that Gentile woman who asked for her... Her daughter to be healed. Who else? Samaritan woman. Who else? Huh? The woman at the well. 
Who else? A widow woman. Who else? Outsiders brought in. Jesus, Jesus was accused of keeping company with who? Publicans and sinners. Yeah, the, 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 the woman that, uh, the Mary who washed Jesus' feet. There were prostitutes. Like all of these people that Jesus just welcomed. Now, again, don't misunderstand. Are we saying that, that these people's lives didn't change and did they, they became? No. But they, they came to Jesus because they knew he would welcome them. So how can we make sure that we welcome outsiders the same way Jesus did? I mean, in real life, how, how do we do it? We share the gospel with everyone, all kinds of people. Yeah, absolutely. How else? Give me some just real life scenarios of how to be like Jesus here. Who else? Yeah, Frank. The people that come to church, to welcome them, to, to communicate with them, to accept them. Absolutely. Welcoming of, of people. It's so, so important that a, that, a, that a church is a place that people feel that they can belong. They belong. How, um, how quickly, if you walk in, I use this illustration. I use this illustration on uh, Sunday. Has anybody ever been to a party where they discovered that they really didn't belong there? You felt like it. And I used the example of being the spouse at a work Christmas party. <laughs> right? You walk in and it's just like, yep, these ain't my people. All right? When you walk into a place, how many of you ever walked into a restaurant underdressed? Anybody walk into a restaurant underdressed before? And, and your first thought is like, whoops. Right? How long does it take you to determine that you don't belong somewhere? How quickly do you make that decision that you don't belong? Not even. It takes what? It's like seconds. In a few seconds, you look around and say, I do not belong here. Yeah, 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 I know this story. So we wanted to go to church. We passed this church all the time, and I thought, well, let's go to church and try this out. Because it was a Baptist church, Baptist right? Baptist church, yeah. And always had a big crowd, you know, with never weeks go by. So we, it was me, Shelly, Ethan. That's it. Josh wasn't born yet? No, because it wasn't Matthew. Oh, I thought it was him. No, it was oh. Simon. He had red boys. All right, all right. Let's get to the punchline. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, blonde hair, blue eyes. 
mention on her hair was white. And uh, we were obviously the only one. And we, we opened the door. First, we kind of knew because the two greeters were uh, African American guys. And then they opened the door, and the entire congregation is looking at us. And they all start to smile. But I have to say, they were very welcoming. Very welcoming. And, but they, they preach her robe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, but it is, isn't it interesting though that isn't it interesting though that how quickly you felt like outsiders? And there's a lot of people that have said we don't really experience this in our part of the country, but in other parts of the country there are still churches that are very ethnically established. Like it is a like the church is a, a predominantly there are still churches that are predominantly African American churches. And some churches, unfortunately, they're predominantly white. And so some people in the South have said it's unfortunate that the most segregated place in America today is still a Sunday morning at church sometimes, which is not what the church is supposed to be. There's years and years of cultural baggage that has created that. So I'm not judging any particular church, but what effect that does that have? If a church is monolithic like that, it says to people, oh, maybe I don't belong here, right? Are we really welcoming of all types of people? Yeah. Yeah. So th th these kind of things, like, you know, the, the racial thing is just, it's a tragedy when that happens. But you know, it can also happen in churches socioeconomically. If you walk into a church and everybody's dressed to the nines, in the very, very best of clothes with nice, nice jewelry and Rolex watches, you're probably going to walk in and be like, yeah, these people aren't really like me. And does that have anything to do with the gospel or the Bible? Nothing at all. It's nothing to do with it. And so we have to be careful not to let traditions and culture and like the church should be a culturally neutral ground culturally neutral ground where people from various backgrounds and various types can come in and these are just not issues in a church. Church is a place where all people can come. So, <laughs> I'm going to give you this. This I saw, I, sometimes I share with you things that I see on Facebook, okay? And I was thinking about this insider-outsider thing and I saw this meme getting shared on Facebook. Some people were critical of it, but then I saw other people share it with like pride and, and like, yes, this is right. And it's from a, it's from a, um, it's from a, a Facebook page called something like the good old days. How many of you follow pages like that? You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's nostalgia inducing. But people, Christian people were sharing this on their Christian people, some of them have been sharing this on their public feed. And, and Steve, you got the picture. I want to show you this picture that's been going around Facebook. Some Christians have been showing it on their public feed. Does everybody see that picture from the 1950s? And can you read it? It says, when people dressed for church like they were going to see Jesus. And there's Ward Cleaver right there, I think, or somebody, and... Uh, now, what does this say if you post this 
on your public feed, what does this say to your non-Christian friends, potentially? Hundred percent. Does look like a perfect family, doesn't it? Yeah. It does not look like it says divorced family, mixed race background, financially struggling would be welcome around here. Doesn't yeah? Doesn't look like a single mom would fit in there. Now I'm not. I personally don't care, period, how people come dressed to church. Because the Bible says very, very little about it other than don't be flashy. The Bible does say that. Don't wear gold and costly apparel and things like that. The, the ultimate, the, the question is, are we a place that says outsiders are welcome here? So, like I said, whether it's this, you can, you can take that down now. So the question is, all of us in our lives, how do we portray ourselves? Remember, on the one hand, we are pursuing holiness to honor the Lord. But on the other side, we are equally pursuing reaching other people, welcoming the publicans, the sinners, the tax collectors. My fervent belief is I don't want anything I do culturally to distract from the, from the scripture, from the, from the gospel. Not a single thing. I don't want a cultural barrier to prevent anyone from being welcomed by Christ and by us as a church. So, and every person will work that out a little bit differently in their lives. But then it goes beyond appearances. And it goes, into, it goes into, well, how do you treat that person? Because if a person, and did you know, by the way, that there are whole churches, this bothers me, there are whole churches that make the whole issue of their church about how everything looks. I know churches that they make a big deal, everybody's got to wear a suit and tie. Then I know other churches who make a big deal, you got to wear cool clothes. You know, we're the jeans and t-shirt kind of church. It's like, why? You know what? I, every time I hear that conversation, I think to myself, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about this? Why are you telling me to dress down? Why are you telling me to dress up? Let's be regular people, respectful of all people, honoring the Lord, and let's just reach people for Jesus. That's what it's about, to welcome everyone. But then it goes beyond that, and it goes into, well, how then do I treat that person? Do I just, do I, am I there to just say, you know, hi and give a handshake, or do I care enough to ask them about their life? Do I care enough to spend some time with them? Do I care enough to say, hey, I'd like to invite you to have lunch with me, or I'd like to, to spend time with you and your kids? Like the single mom that you mentioned, right? A single mom who who doesn't necessarily think that they would fit in with the quote-unquote perfect churchy family. Well, how do we reach out to those people and say to them, you know what? You belong here just as much as everybody else. 
just as much. Your brother? Wow. Yeah. It's just real perspectives of people. Yeah. Yeah. God looks on the heart, right? Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And that's a great way to finish tonight, because it's gone longer than anticipated. But just, Jesus said, hey, it's, there's going to be people that surprise us about the place that they have in the kingdom. And it's not the insiders, it's the outsiders that have a heart of faith, of humility, of obedience. Let's pray. Lord, we, we do love you. Help us to be an others-minded people. Help us to reach people with the gospel, Lord. And I just pray that, um, that you put people in our paths to give the, give the good news to. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you in our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.